Welcome to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. This podcast is about provocative conversations with beautiful thinkers about topics that matter and the stories that have helped them reframe their lives. Grab something cozy or put on your walking shoes and let's reframe. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is the Psalm 139 that has the saying, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I like it so much that I tattooed it onto my wrist as a reminder. It makes my heart extremely happy when I have heard the phrase reframed as queerfully and wonderfully made for our LGBTQ plus siblings. This is why I wanted to talk to Jazz Waring who in 2019 launched an inclusive space for LGBTQ plus people to explore their faith or lack of it in creative ways called Queerfully and Wonderfully Made. Jazz is a candidate in the Word and Sacrament in the ELCA and is currently on staff at the Table OC in Fullington, California. They spent time as a children's pastor in the evangelical church to now They call themselves a queer Lutheran rebel rouser, basically my kind of person. It is my absolute pleasure to be talking with Jazz today. Welcome, Jazz. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you, Kara. (laughs) Um, So I just really, I mean, it's always a good question to ask people first off, why ministry for you? (laughs) Right. That's always the big question. (laughs) I think the short answer is I couldn't do anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I kind of felt like I was like a a master of none for quite some time. I felt like every two years I was changing careers or changing trajectories of study, you know, and stuff Mm -hmm. like I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. And then in high school, I wanted to be in film. And then in college, I was really into like journalism. Then I got into, um, you know, working with kids. And then um, through that, I got um, called into kids ministry um, Mm -hmm. with my local cool hipster mega church in Orange County. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and part of that, like, I got to see like a bigger world Mm -hmm. of ministry, um, the way that they were kind of coming from, um, and uh, see so that I saw that in kids ministry that it wasn't just being a Sunday school teacher and doing, you know, goldfish crackers and coloring pages, which is definitely a part of it. Right. <laughs> but I was really into the the idea of like creating content and curriculum and you know family mm-hmm. ministry and stuff. So I got kind of just I kind of just stumbled into it. You know, I just I was good with kids, so I just volunteered, and from there I just kind of like rose the ranks and becoming one of the assistant kids pastors. And, um, I thought I was, that's how I was going to spend my whole life doing that kind of work. Um, and that was just, yeah, that's the, that was my initial call called in ministry. And then what changed was after 10 years of, um, being in ministry and towards the very end of my twenties, I had the sudden rude sexual awakening and realized (laughs) that I was gay and, um, and, uh, I knew that my career would be over, um, you know, because in that that space, in that, yeah, in Mm -hmm. that space, which, you know, it, you know, was a very painful process of trying to create space and renegotiating my identity because that was, I was just Jasmine, the children's pastor who was always in a kid's t-shirt and um, having to like even figure out what my clothing style was because I was always in a uniform, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, was a, it was a complete identity shift because um, I, mm. I held so much of my identity and what I did and my, my position and stuff. So when that all was taken away from me, um, I had to figure out a new way to um, be human. From there, after a couple of years of um, trying to make space, um, in the church and hitting barriers. I, you know, I left that church and started going to an affirming ELCA, ELCA, um, Lutheran church. Mm -hmm. And, um, from there I started to get that itch again (laughs) to get into ministry. And I, I just, at the time I was, 
unemployed. I got laid off from my um, real estate, um, commercial real estate management, property management job, which I just kind of had temporarily sold my soul to for the past three years for the money. <laughs> um, and so I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't be doing, I can't go back to property management. I don't want to be a teacher. No church is going to hire me as like a kid's pastor and stuff. So I just kind of wondered like, well, what, is, what else is there for me um, in ministry life? Um, and I thought it was just going to be, I was just going to start a Bible study, a queer Bible study. And we're just going to, you know, read through God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vines. And oh, we'll yeah. just have brunch and that'll be it. From there, though, I, you know, I, I started getting more involved with the church um, that I'm at now and um, started to get inspired to do more ministries and actually pursue the call to ordination um, in Warden Sacrament with the LCA. And, um, you know, the rest is history, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of the things like, I feel life is kind of like you're rowing up a river and you're kind of like going, you know, that rowing backwards kind of thing. You can't see what's directly behind you. And just kind of like, you can only just look over your shoulder just for a second, but you really understand who you are and where you're going by hindsight. And you're seeing like the trees Mm -hmm. and the river kind of going past you and like, okay, now I think I know where I'm going. So I feel most of my discernment has been reflecting on hindsight and seeing how all those little kind of obscure yeah pieces Mm -hmm. came together like Mm -hmm. you know like the film stuff and my desire to be in hospitals and my love for kids and even in property management because really parish ministry is you're an overglorified property manager yeah that's (laughs) true I mean there's I mean that's the truth right there's so much yeah so like (laughs) as a minister like you're not taught in seminary right but it's like all these other functions yeah if you ever need to they don't in my seminary courses they don't have a uh, negotiating hvac contracts as part right. of a course you know, <laughs> you know so. so look at this still set that you're bringing That's yeah amazing. so it's just it's one of those things where just you know all the little pieces get um pulled together and you're like ah that's it so. That's how I felt like for my call too, in, in terms of becoming a sex educator, because I was like, wow, how, how in the world am I a sex educator? And then I even go back to like in high school, where people would just come to me, random people and talk to me about their sex lives all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And then sometimes people who I first met, like along the way would just be like, so can I talk to you and about, you know, sex and I'm like is there something on my forehead like sure stranger <laughs> sure what do you need to talk, discuss you know like it just it just kind of was happening in my life I'm like oh, okay I guess that's part of the puzzle right there <laughs> right yeah there's something to it right that's cool so when did you uh first think about creating queerfully and wonderfully made and what was that stirring like inside of you to do that yeah. So, uh, like I said, I thought it was just going to do a Bible study, a queer Bible study. And it, it never, I, I never, it was just kind of never left just the idea stage for me. I kind of mm-hmm. bounced it off and there wasn't really any traction to it. Um, and then one time I was just, um, listening to a podcast, I believe it was a, a tiny revolution with mm. Kevin Garcia, mm. old, old episode. And they were interviewing someone and just kind of like as a tangential kind of like subject that they went on, they were talking about queer embodiment of scripture and how when queer bodies recite or live into these these scriptures, um, it completely transforms the meaning of it. You know, so you think of Psalm 139 you know, I am fearfully, wonderfully made. God, you know me, you knit me in my mother's womb. I could go into the heavens. You will find me. If I find myself in the grave, you're still with me. And to have that proclaimed through a queer body, it just completely changes the meaning because so many of us have been told the opposite of sure. it, that God's presence has left us, right. you know, and that, you know, there was something, um, like God doesn't make mistakes when you're born, you know, and stuff and all these different things. So, so to have queer bodies, um, proclaim, proclaim scripture, it just really transforms it. You know, I think for my, for my ministry, um, cause you know, I'm, I'm in seminary right now. So they always ask me, what's your life verse? What's your mystery, you know, verse. And for me, yeah. it's, you know, when Jesus opens the scroll to Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the living God is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to set captives free, to restore sight to the blind and, you know, declare the year of the Lord's favor. Like that's Jesus embodying scripture. Mm -hmm. 
but for me to say, you know, as a queer bodied person to say that the spirit of living God is upon me. Yeah. You know, like that Mm -hmm. is what actually like turns it. So that really like got me excited thinking about that. And then I started thinking like, well, this is kind of like subversive and this is kind of like poetry. And what Mm. if we got like creative folks? Because I have a lot of like, I just for some reason, I have a lot of creative really awesome friends, you know, (laughs) that happen to be queer, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's like, what if like, we're able to do something that was kind of like an open mic, but curated. So it's not like open to everybody, but just like, it really like something that follows a narrative and a story and um, can explore these kind of like um, experiences and spiritual things um, and in a new way and in, in a creative way and stuff so I basically what I say queerfully wonderfully made is it's a queer variety show with depth and meaning <laughs> mm-hmm. and we um you know we've had purity culture burn down night um we've had an embodiment night uh chosen family poly queer mm-hmm. polyamory um and we do really outrageous things and also some really just uh really uh like factual things like I have TED talks with licensed therapists and faith leaders and um, just different aspects of that that kind of just speak to our experience and creating that sacred space, which I felt was lacking. Um, yeah. Because I think part of the, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. How did you create that space then? Like, cause you know, there's a lot of intention that goes into, you know, creating a space where people feel like they're able to share those stories because it's a very vulnerable experience. Even if you're among you know, people who feel similarly as you like to open up like that and create is vulnerable. So how did you create that for them? I worked with people that I knew at first um, and people I knew that were comfortable being in a public space, sharing their stories Mm -hmm. or performing in some way. And I kind of, I'm a very relational person. So like being able to like talk through and walk through like these different kinds of themes, you know, um, people were able to offer up stuff that they already had. And then I get this kind of like buffet of performances. And then I kind of just weave it together to kind of create a story arc Mm. in there. And part of the culture that I've tried to set early on is that, you know, we are on everybody's side that we are supporting, we're vocal supporters, you know, and like we know that this is very hard and this act of vulnerability is, is a holy thing. So we're gonna support people through the process. And and people are just brave. Like people like um just kind of just stepped up and they were just, I think they were just really excited to be seen and share their stories um mm-hmm. with a group of people that were called to or encouraged to to hold them in that space and be a witness to that. And I think because of that kind of spoken and unspoken agreement that we've created um, in these spaces, people were able to, um, I don't know, it's, it's those moments where the, the divine, you know, mm-hmm. kisses are present and you're just like, wow, like, I could, it, right? yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't have planned it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff, the most special moments were things that kind of just were unplanned and, mm-hmm. and um, things like that. Um, I, I think, but I, I think it's really only by God's grace that <laughs> these events have really been able to um, come together in that way. Cause even as things kind of just, sometimes they fall apart, you know, people are, you know, something doesn't work. There's a technical issue and stuff. Um, even through those flaws, but despite our, ourselves, something still happens at the end of the night, you know? And yeah, and that's also part of just my experience in working in a mega church before it was really high on production value, you know, so I had yeah. the skill set to be able to organize and, you know, put these kind of technical stuff together, you know, so, you know, with the devil, <laughs> created for, you know, meant for evil, God turned it around for good, bless God, you know. <laughs> Can you, for listeners, just share more of what one of the evenings would have looked like? This, as you say, like a variety show or different things. And then I want to talk about first, like then you have this space where you do this and then you created a camp, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, which is, so what came first, but also just kind of share what one of, I asked like four questions at one time. 
take us down like what an evening would have felt like. Yeah, for sure. So for the chicken and the egg question, the mm-hmm. pop-up events came before the camp. Okay. Um, so the, uh, I started in January, 2019, um, mm-hmm. was our first event and they were, uh, quarterly events, um, oh, nice. going mm-hmm. with the seasons basically. Would you like me to go through a particular event or just kind of like an overall kind it's of, an they're overall. All, yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all pretty different. Um, but I usually start off, well, the event starts even before the first thing happens on there. So it's, you know, we're in this old Lutheran church, um, that's built in the forties and I have purple, LED, awesome, right? yeah, I have purple <laughs> led lights shining nice. up, you know, everywhere <laughs> I have, um, you know, Janelle Monet blasting in the background, you know, good, mm-hmm. like a good queer fun, you know, funky playlist and stuff. Uh, people walk in. I'm really particular about creating a five, six sense experience, yes. mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. um, I was going to have... say that alone has to be transformative of here I am identifying as queer, walking into a 1940s Lutheran church yeah with music playing you know that really is something that, was, that could yeah go ahead yeah was, no that was like that was part of the big question I had before is like do I go in a completely non-churchy space to do mm-hmm. this or do I actually do the thing and reclaim sacred yeah. space and mm-hmm. part of you know trying to be like trauma-informed and how do we help these people um step in through these doors because I've right. had folks that come up to me it's like I haven't been in church in over 20 years this is the yeah. first time I've been to a church before and I felt safe for the and it first can, time like elicit really strong emotion yeah like, yeah so sensations so I have um a host team of people that are there to kind of like welcome people answer any questions help people find a seat and um my partner heads up that team and she's the, the squishiest like big hearted like person <laughs> most intuitive person ever she's a better pastor than I will ever be um <laughs> but she um and her team um they have essential oils on their on their wrists and we even like try to get cover up that um that's church smell you know oh, yeah <laughs> with like some lavender or something, you know, so that you're not triggered by that smell response. Cause that's a very mm-hmm. strong, that is very, very strong, you know, so we do that. And, um, you know, visually the, with the lights, it kind of transforms the, st- the space a lot. And so as soon as you walk in, you're, you're greeted by, by people and you could grab your plugs. If you're sound sensitive, you've got some good smells going, you got the music going and you've got, um, you go and you take a seat. I usually, I tell people that the event starts like a half hour earlier than when it actually is <laughs> because like people are always late and I don't want people to like miss out yeah. because because the, the opener is what always sets the tone and it's usually sure. some sort of musical performance or a video but the music performance is, is usually what what draws people in for the first event um I had my friend's band um sing born this way you oh. know awesome. and, and that was like I feel our, like I just got chills yeah <laughs> right from that yeah. And that was That's our very fantastic. first event. That was our coming out event, basically, where it's just like, yeah. we're here, we're clear. God loves you and stuff. Yeah. So that was like the first one we did, you know, I also got a queer acapella group to sing Dirty Computer. What? Or, yeah. For, oh, it's just these, these people come into my life and I'm just like, I'm not worthy. <laughs> and I don't know why. And here you go. This is, yeah. you will be doing and this. <laughs> most, most of them do it for free. Some of them just yeah. do it because they're homies, you know, or they just yeah. want to do it for the culture or for the community. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm so thankful for them. And then, you know, I come up and we, uh, I kind of just talk about, you know, what, what themes we're going to be, what theme we're discussing, give it any content warnings um, about any of this stuff. And uh, we usually begin with a good, um, are you, uh, do you know about Nadia Boltz-Weber, the Reverend Nadia Boltz-Weber? Sure. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> she, we adapted a practice from her where we mm-hmm. inhale the good shit and we <sighs> exhale the bullshit, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. get ready. <laughs> yeah. All the things we need to do constantly. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. typically, you know, so the way the variety show has depth and meaning is I usually do it through kind of like a story arc or a narrative. So like for our, our purity culture night, um, Forbidden Fruit is the, was the thing. Um, I kind of did like the story of like the Phoenix where we write, where we like, mm-hmm. we are where we are before. Mm-hmm. We're going to go and we're going to burn it all down. 
right. if we like destroy all these concepts, all these systems, all these things that we were taught that were, that were no longer, no longer serve us, burn it all down. And then we're going to rise up as a Phoenix learning about a healthy sexual ethic, post-purity culture, yeah. you know, and then we celebrate from there, you know, that's great. Uh, and I bet that was powerful. And I really wish yeah. I could have been at that. <laughs> yeah. We like, we, we even had those cheesy little, um, flash paper things at the end, you know, um, mm. where people could write down some bullshit and they get, literally set it on fire. fire. It's, yeah. it's great. Uh, for our polyamory night, we followed a, he- a hero's journey nice. of going from what is familiar, stepping into the unknown and the folks you meet along the way, they give you the tools mm-hmm. and into the cave, <laughs> you know, and the cave was jealousy, you know, yeah. and learning how to find, um, find compersion at that, mm-hmm. you know, like the being happy for your partner and other people's experiencing of love and then going back to it where, where you came, you know, changed in a new, you know, so like taking those kind of like story arcs and narratives mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there'll be a, there's usually a musical guest. There's usually a poet. There's usually a storytelling component and a Ted talk. And then there's usually some you know, if, if there's time, there's some other thing kind of mixed in in between either some sort of um, practice or skit yeah. <laughs> or um, a video, um, all that stuff, kind of stuff's in between. So it's, and we do give a, a good uh, halftime intermission just sure. to people to take care of their bodies. Yeah. Cause that's um, I, ha- I mean, I just yeah. keep thinking like how it has to be so, and I, I think I probably already used this word, but transformative because again, you're in this space that for so long probably gave you a sense of feeling unworthy of shame and Mm -hmm. and to experience a full body experience because you're delivering to the senses and Mm -hmm. interacting with that, which we often also don't get in church, right? We're also not fully engaged, many of us with what our body is feeling and how to you know, listen to the body response to what is happening. And so you mentioned this then with your care team, mm-hmm. how I'm sure there's times when people might get triggered or just kind of be overwhelmed. And so how then is this care team caring for them? Yeah. Like I said, we had, we have a halfway intermission. That's about, mm-hmm. it, I always say it's like only 10 minutes, but always ends up being like 15. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so that's, that is a break in the, in the moment where we could, you know, take care of our bodies, whatever, whatever that looks like. Sometimes you need to come up for air, mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. we say. Um, in addition to that, um, as part of like the beginning kind of warm up thing, um, I have a, the care team, which is usually uh, a mix of uh, queer or affirming pastors that are able to provide pastoral care support or any kind of uh, volunteer um, licensed family therapist that is willing to use their time to hold space right. or, and then also I have just friends that are just um, have the experience and the emotional, physical capacity to kind of like help entertain these kind of conversations and stuff like that. And they're usually um, pointed out with a rainbow lay. So everyone who wears a rainbow lay is like, is someone that you're able to talk to if you need to. Um, We also create a, oh, what I used to call it. It's been, it's been two years. So I can't try to remember what it was. Um, Basically like a um, self-care space that's outside the building. There's a beautiful little courtyard um, next to the church that Mm. we, that we use. And that's a serenity space. That's what there's a serenity oh, space. Mm-hmm. So at any time throughout the event, if you just need a quiet space to kind of like gather your thoughts and, you know, do whatever you need. And there, there'll be a pastor or two kind of posted in that area monitoring that to be able to help people um, through whatever big feelings that mm-hmm. they're having. Um, so we have that, that built in as well. And then um in post, we also have like, we have community resource table where um, you could pick up, uh, a lot of people found their therapist <laughs> at that table. Sure. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of follow-up with like, we're a big, you know, um, like here's resources. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of being able to read the room and stuff, um, we, for our embodiment night, we had a guided group meditation, you know, and, and um the therapist who led it, you know, was really great about setting boundaries and just like, you could open your eyes at any point, you know, and, 
people are given the autonomy to take care of themselves and give, given permission to um, to um, what they need to do. That's great. Yeah. So this then became a camp. So what made you shift and be like, well, this, we need to go. So, <laughs> er, so early on, when we started doing the pop-up events, um, it was kind of made a splash in Lutheran world um, mm-hmm. in, in my area on the West Coast. The ELCA um, owns a camp in the local mountains, San Bernardino Mountains, called uh, Luther Glen. Mm-hmm. And I was approached by one of their um, director community people and stuff. And they're like, we've been looking, been, we've been wanting to do a queer camp there, but we just don't have the the skills, the ideas to really put it on. And they said, would you want to do it? And I'm all like, sure. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like go up to the mountain, like in like this, this particular space is just really awesome because it's, um, it's a working farm, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the San Bernardino national park, um, area. And, you know, they have goats and organic garden and like all the, the pool. And it's just like, it's a retreat center. So you're not fully roughing it. You know, that was just like, like, obviously, yes, we got to do it. It was, it was more of a matter of when. So you know, so the event launched January 9th, 2019, and we did it quarterly, you know, um, and then I had all these plans for 2020. Oh, gosh. So much plans, Kara. So many big, like I was going <laughs> to, I was take the show on the road. I was like going to go do an event in San Diego. I was going to do one in LA. Like I was going to say a traveling event. <laughs> yeah. It was going to be a pop-up event. That's like super contextual. That'll be, you know, oh, reflection God. of the queer community and wherever they are, you know, mm-hmm. I was going to do all this stuff. And then and then the pandemic Lovato happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and and you know, at the beginning um, of it all, I thought we could pull off camp, but then just as things kept getting extended, I had to you know make the call to uh, cancel it. Um, but you know what? It it happened, and it's been three weeks, four weeks past it, and no one told me if I got COVID. So I'm assuming. Oh, was- so they are. So they, you, it did happen. Awesome. Yeah. It happened in August. So, um, so yeah, no one, you know, it wasn't a super spreader event, which was like my bigger, yeah. <laughs> my biggest concern. Um, so yeah, it ended up, it did, it did happen. Um, thanks be to God. <laughs> That's great. So. so then what event has changed you the most that you have done and why? Man. So our third event was on embodiment, mm-hmm. you know, for the first two that we had, the first one was kind of just our coming out, you know, which is something I was like totally on board with processed all that, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the second one was a purity culture, you know, sexual ethic one, it's something that I had worked really hard on and worked on with myself and like, I've come to a good place. So I knew exactly where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And then with embodiment, like I knew, like I chose this event because I knew it needed to be addressed. And I, and part of like the sphere of like content that I was listening to at the time, embodiment was like a really hot kind of subject, you know, talking, you know, with them, um, not talking, but hearing from uh, Hillary McBride, Dr. Hillary McBride mm-hmm. um, and uh, Jamie Lee Finch and, you know, all these other kind of, you yes. know. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it needed to be said and it needed to be talked about in Orange County, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Orange County is also a really weird place too, you know, <laughs> um, and for me, so I was trying to figure out, like, I got some people to come in and stuff. And like, I knew I wanted, I need, I was looking for someone to tell the story for the storytelling portion. Mm-hmm. And I was just coming up empty, not finding anything. And then I realized, oh shit, I need to, I need to, to tell the story. <laughs> this is my story. That I need You're to like, tell. Mm, yeah. All arrows it, point to me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm done like, oh man. So then, you know, and I knew what story I had to tell, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was that, that spirit prompting of like, you know what you need to talk about jazz. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I want to talk about it. And then it's like, oh, okay, no, I got to do it. And really part of that um, the story is my part of my coming out story um, is because my whole world and identity was crashing down. Um, I experienced very intense anxiety, panic attacks, and stress um, continually for an extended amount of time that it actually triggered an autoimmune response. 
mm-hmm. in my body. And, um, and I was just getting really sick. I just couldn't really uh, keep food in my body. Um, and I was just pushing through it. Cause I'm like, Oh, just, I'll feel better tomorrow. This is the worst of it, you know? And then I ended up finding myself, you know, in the emergency room, um, and being hospitalized for two weeks, um, being wow. diagnosed with, um, uh, severe ulcerative colitis, mm. um, and also battling another infection, which was really messy, <laughs> but that whole thing was like, my, my body was giving me all these signals, these red flags, these things. And I was just so used to my whole life, um, ignoring them. And at the same time being very closeted and also thinking like, oh my God, is God punishing me for being gay Mm, or that, or now that I've acknowledged that I'm gay, did I step underneath, step away from the umbrella of God's grace? And now like, I'm feeling, you know, so like, I was just like, you know, in a theological whirlwind, you know, Mm -hmm. not being able to talk to anybody, anybody about it. Cause all my friends were on staff at church. So as soon as they knew, it feels so isolating. Yeah. So I'm in the hospital bed and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just kind of take it one step at a time. And eventually I got better, but now I live with a lifelong illness uh, Mm. that is, that's only has a treatment for, you know, and part of that was having to give myself injections, you know, every other week. And I'm a lot better now, but because of that, I've had to learn how to actually listen to my body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I, my, my body forced me to, to acknowledge its existence. And as I've come into my, my even my gender identity and going through all that stuff, like I could track with my body, like how my illness is peaked when I'm stressed and I'm fighting against myself in some way, whether it's internalized transphobia, homophobia, or in those kind of things, I could, I could track how my body is is doing another contributing factors and stuff. So I told that story in there and I had, I was, you know, working with my, my mentor who she, um, you know, she was a producer in Hollywood before she became a, a pastor and stuff. Um, so like, I was like trying to, like I hitting brick walls and brick walls. And finally I came up with a story in three parts and it was a labor of love, but it was one of the most like transforming healing experiences for me. Cause, because then I was able to actually kind of really reflect and work out, you know, like, Oh no, like I wasn't, God wasn't punishing me. And no, I wasn't sending, I was not standing outside of God's grace. Like it's the sin of homophobia and transphobia mm-hmm. that created the circumstances to make me feel like I couldn't be my true self. Mm-hmm. And that had a direct effect on my body. Yeah. So that had set me free in a way and helped me really help other people who may have similar questions, you know, and of, of suffering and God's role and, and all that stuff. So that whole thing was, um, it was, I was processing this in real time as I was producing this event, (laughs) you know, and I was really on the journey with everybody else. It wasn't something I had already arrived at, you know, I knew in theory, I should listen to my body. (laughs) You know, I think it's a great idea, but also like in real, real life, I still had to learn how to practice what I preached. Well, it's like such a hard thing, right? Because it just, it's so vulnerable and scary. And I just think about, you know, I, I've, you know, personally am a cisgender female, but I think of all my trans friends and I'm just, to be honest, I'm just like, you are so amazing to me that you're able to just live into who you fully are. Because I also believe that there's many of us, I think, regardless of our sexuality, who still have a hard time listening to our own truth, Mm. you -hmm. know, because of fear, because of rejection and things like that. And the body does like really let us know, (laughs) you know, when we're not doing that. And even with getting out a motion that is, uh, overwhelming or that you're afraid to face. When I was a a freshman in high school, I had been going through kind of traumatic events within my family Mm. and I didn't talk about it or anything. And I ended up breaking out in hives Mm. for an entire semester of my school, schooling career. And nobody, the doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. I had blood tests and all that stuff. And then finally one doctor said, I think this is stress. 
He's like, yeah. I think you need to feel <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> then yeah, I like, how dare you? <laughs> and I tell people it wasn't until I started dancing and crying and getting angry that my hives went away. Wow. Yeah. I totally believe it. It's just strange. And so it's like, I think it's so good that, that you've shared that story for people. There's so many people who might be, you know, feeling that same thing or, and they talk about how so many autoimmune diseases that I've been reading about lately stems from um, emotion and things that we're not allowing ourselves to feel or talk about and things like that. I think it's just kind of like poetic irony that my autoimmune is like my body is fighting against something, you know, within me. It's a false sense of like fighting, you know, in a way, you know, I think my body thinks something's wrong, but it's not, but it's still fighting against it, you know, and it's so symbolic of like my true self is very queer. And then this autoimmune response saying, no, no, this is not right. This is not the you know, mm-hmm. this is, this is the plague. You got to fight against it. And then I really had to literally inject myself with oh something to, to actually tell my immune system, that that part of me that's saying, no, this is, this is good. We're mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. You know, we're safe. We're safe. We're safe. Gosh. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The body. Oh. She's weird. Isn't she? She's so weird. <laughs> we, love it, it. Right? <laughs> we love it. We love it. Dang, it's like all the time when people are like, I just wish I would have listened to my body. And it's like, we're tell- we, tell it- we tell it to shut up all the time. Yeah, yeah. and then you know? it's all up talk and down talk. You know, sometimes, you know, like, so around the year uh, anniversary of, of the pandemic in March, I was experiencing like severe anxiety attacks just out of nowhere. I didn't know where it was coming from, but just like heart racing, feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack, hard breathing can't breathe and having, having sleep apnea episodes at night. And I was like, where is this coming from? And then realized after I you know, was getting into therapy, I realized, oh, this is like a year since the pandemic. And like, I was really trying to keep my shit together <laughs> during that time, you know, and I was, and I was like being very strong, you know, cause that's just how I was, you know, sure. that's part of like, you know, my upbringing and stuff. And then now my body is like, remembering that so like I had to then do the down talk to my body mm-hmm. and say like hey buddy we're okay we're not mm-hmm. sick mm-hmm. everything's fine we have plenty of food there's plenty of toilet paper you yeah. know <laughs> so you know and, and yeah. so it's learning how to be in balance and in flow with that you know um yeah our our, our mind is just as part of our body as as it is we try to separate we try to them. separate them and, yeah, yeah but they're really all yeah. it's all it's all the body you know so we just gotta Well, and it's so like, that's why I think it's so like, just as I talk about too, like with people in terms of like, we try to separate our spirituality and our sexuality and oh, those Mm -hmm. can't be separated either. And there's like a reason I think for us to think about how God came to a body, (laughs) like, yeah, you know, this is real friends. Like, (laughs) yeah. And and I think that's actually kind of almost to kind of tie into how a typical QWM event is, you know, after we finish the event, I usually give some sort of benediction, a blessing, and then we have an after party where we could go have fun and stuff. But in the sanctuary, um, we still serve the Eucharist to people. Mm -hmm. And that is like the most Lutheran and unLutheran kind of thing because like the you know the Lutherans are all about the sacraments like all about the table and so like the theology is totally there but we also have like the club music you know thumping in the background (laughs) yeah and then we got you know the presiding pastors yelling over the speakers like and then on the night in which Christ was betrayed he took the bread and then and we're like we're all crying you know because there's people you know that you know have haven't taken communion as their full selves oh, you know, yes. there and just like to um, receive the body of Christ in your queer body you know and the blood of Christ together it's like it's this really messy beautiful mm-hmm. queer thing and that's what the table is and that's what that's what it is to be in Christ and it's this incarnation you know that we're all experiencing together you know 
that like great I don't know why but that just reminded me of like a god moment I had when I was in seminary where I went with some of my friends um some of my queer friends and we went to a gay club in in um the Castro nice and I just remember like everyone was just dancing it was like I think it was maybe the night before Halloween and everyone was just dancing just it was like you could just feel this beat like throughout your body and it was like everyone was somehow moving to the beat at the same time and Mm -hmm. I remember looking up and there was like this picture of this moon that was like smiling and people were just enjoying one another Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is God. Like, I was yeah. just like, this right here is God embodied. Like, but, that's what I felt the whole time. Well, so the great theologian Pink once said, if God is the DJ, uh, love is the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how that song goes. <laughs> that's the only part we really need to know. And there's a you are the music. And now I'm already it. like, yeah. Do, do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So then, okay, what have people expressed to you then as we're kind of talking about God now, um, what have people expressed to you that they need in relation to their relationship with God? Mm, So there's lots of, uh, so many stories I've I've heard over the past couple of years. Um, At one level, part of my spiel with everything, you know, the QWM is Jesus flavored, but it's not Jesus exclusive. Mm. So yeah, so the Jesus flavor is definitely part of like, it's part of the essence of what we're kind of like, our lens we're viewing spirituality. Um, Because one, I believe that there's something to reclaim there or else I wouldn't be doing this Mm -hmm. (laughs) work. Mm -hmm. Um, And also Christianity has a whole lot of reparations to do and work to do, you know? And I, I think it's completely valid that people don't want to be a part of Christianity for their own mental health and self-care. So that's where we're not exclusive to that too. I have, um, we have a good mix of, of people, um, that don't identify as Christian that are part of the QWM community, Mm -hmm. which is really awesome. So what I tell a lot of people, if they're for, it's their first time there, um, coming to QWM and you you manage to get into the building, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we have the care team that has free pastor hugs and stuff like that. And like, if all you need today is an apology, yeah. from the church mm. this, is, this is a place where you could if you could get that if you just needed if you need to go yell at a cishet white pastor man mm-hmm. and just to, to tell my and that's usually my my pastor greg you know i said you, you, you could go yell at him he could take it and he'll say oh, he's wow. a, you know wow. and you know so it's like yeah he, he hasn't had anyone really need to do that i think it is more of like an unspoken kind of thing but but that is the option you know like if you just well, i think maybe just having yeah. that presence there and knowing that you have permission if need be is yeah. just kind of strong yeah. in of itself you know or just kind of i can't yeah. find words today but you know what i mean yeah well and we also have uh, i partner up with free mom hugs too oh, yeah. so, so they also get that, that parental healing that they need and and that's God too right yeah but I think most of all and I think I I most feedback I got from that um, from the camp experience was this is the only place where they were able to be their full self Mm -hmm. to be in a spiritual space and be fully queer it reminds me of you know when we were doing the the party Eucharist at the end um had a friend who's Roman Catholic and they were they are they they're devout to their faith but it's been a don't ask don't tell thing you know mm-hmm. at their at their church um so when they go and, and receive you know the eucharist they're not bringing their full selves in the, into that situation you know yeah. and then when they came to qwm and decided to to take the eucharist like that was the very first time that they could receive the host mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm as a fully embodied queer person and know that they're the beloved child of God at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful. like, yeah, like I'm like, oh, mother, you're crying. I, I, mean, <laughs> you I, just, I think I would just be <laughs> sobbing the entire, like yeah. simultaneously crying and laughing like through the And then in the background experience. is Britney Spears toxic going on. In the background, you know? So it's just like, it's, it's such a mess and I love it. Oh, <laughs> I also, that, uh, Um, I was at a funeral one time for um, a family member of some people who went to our church and 
it was one of the most incredible communion experiences I've ever had because the woman who passed away just was vibrant for life, just so amazing. And so they played the song, I Had the Time of My Life. Mm. And it was just like, oh, and I'm going to cry. <laughs> it was just amazing to take that. And then what was also amazing is that they did a remembrance of baptism mm. and her siblings got super soakers out. No. And did super Stop. soakers throughout. No, like I'm not. And it I'm was stealing like, that. It's it was so good. hysterical and just wonderful because that was who this woman was. And I thought, this is fantastic. Right? Oh. Oh, I'm going to steal that. I got two super soakers in my, in my garage. I'm going to pull, whip it out. Is it, I mean, how fantastic it's for COVID too, because it's, it's very safe for COVID. I, know. You know? <laughs> I got super soaked by Christ today. It's like, you so love great. it. I love it. Love uh, it. So I love that. So how has this ministry affected your relationship with God? Oh man. You know, I think the embodiment part was a big turning point for me using the creative process to, to tell a story, to go through my own, my own stuff. Um, and unpackaging has been a great process for me. Each time I, I learn something new about myself when I curate and stuff and I collaborate with people and I hear other people's stories and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I really encountered the Christ in the other, you know, in the stories, um, the people I, I work with. And I feel like in a way it's, uh, also reclaiming my mega church experience mm-hmm. background, you know, cause it was a church that was really great with production and creating like these like conferences and events. And I learned so much. So a little tangential story because I couldn't do kids ministry anymore. I couldn't really do any kind of like in-person ministry stuff, but I could join the production team. So I joined mm-hmm. the lighting team. <laughs> so every Sunday I was doing like laser light shows and fog machines for Jesus kind of, st- I'm still dying on the inside, but at least it was just something to do. I feel like, you did know? you, did you wear headbands and like sweatbands? <laughs> just think of like this big, like eighties attire. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> this is, this is like concert lighting kind oh of gosh. mega church experience. You know, um, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name names, but it's, you know, it's definitely one of those, um, concert experiences, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I learned all about behind the scenes production stuff at that church, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, despite being exploited for my labor, which I was a Mm -hmm. little hot take for me, um, I was able to use all those things for a purpose that I don't think my senior pastors would have ever imagined, (laughs) Right? you know? Um, using all those little, those little broken pieces, all those things that I thought I've completely left behind show up again, you yeah. know, like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to do, I'm, I'm I mean, still doing, I'm still doing lighting, right? That's right? Like the resurrection. That's Ain't amazing. that resurrection. Ain't that resurrection. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, it's definitely that, that resurrection from that, that life I thought was uh, completely left. Behind. I knew it wasn't wasted I, because I knew it was it served a purpose, but all those things that I thought like, oh, I can't reclaim that. It's too toxic. It's not what I wanted, but able to retool that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm not creating like lighting to manipulate people to convert to Christianity. Right. <laughs> you know, it's I'm actually like light their souls, right? Yeah. I'm using, <laughs> I'm using the lighting to actually create a safe sense of safety that actually blurs lines between church and the club. Yeah. No. You know? mm-hmm. So I feel amazing. Yeah. So I feel like this, the, the reclamation work has been the, the greatest experience I could um, ever have with this, this great event. And then, and, and also just like the relationships I make, you know, the mm-hmm. people I've met and the people I've collaborated with, I get, I get a, such a deep connection when I'm working with people in these kind of vulnerable creative spaces. Um, and those are always my teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the questions we're coming to an end here, but one of the questions I always ask is what story are you reframing for yourself today? I thought about that. I was like, what is, is there so many, I was like, what am I reframing? And I think for me at this moment right now, um, in my stage of uh, seminary and candidacy process to on my way to ordination, I think I'm reframing what it means to be Lutheran mm-hmm. because I didn't grow up Lutheran. I was a uh, definitely, born, I call it like, 
Diet Coke fundamentalism, you know, not quite like, <laughs> you know, bonnets and buggies, but like mm-hmm. definitely no Disney and homeschooled and all that stuff, you know, but, um, and going through like all the different iterations of and flavors of Christianity that I've, I've been a part of. And I feel like I still, I put the evangelical and evangelical Lutheran church of America, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of why I call myself a rebel rouser, you know, like I am, yeah. I am not. I'm learning a new language, you know, I'm learning all the secret handshakes and stuff like that. And uh, there are still parts of me that resist some parts of Lutheran culture that I would think it would be better if we just kind of laid those kind of traditions down and mm-hmm. become a little more contextual, you know? So sure. um, yeah, loving Lutheran theology and also um, pushing up against these kind of traditions and things that have you know, and I think that's what a lot of ELCA Lutherans are, are reframing right now, especially after the pandemic and, you know, the, the summer of social <laughs> justice upheaval, yes. you know, all these different Black Lives Matter, you know, like, what does it mean to be Lutheran in, mm-hmm. in America, in the year of Beyonce, you know, um, right. what does that mean? Um, and I think that's something I'm, I'm going to be wrestling with, but at least, and every church has its problems, but you just got to find the problems that you're willing to work with. And, you know, I think the LCA is, is something that I could, is worth fighting for. Um, mm-hmm. And um, also is worth reforming, which is living into what they're supposed to be doing anyways, exactly. you know? So yeah, reframing and reforming what it means to be Lutheran. I think that's where I'm at right now. Well, this was just wonderful. And I feel like I could spend a whole day. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, baby. This is great. (laughs) This was really fun. So if people want to learn more about your ministry, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So um, you could find us online at queerfullywonderfullymade.com. There's no and. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on um, Instagram and Facebook, we're really wonderfully made. We're right now in Southern California. Um, I'm not going to do pop-up events until things are a little more safe with the pandemic, but I am looking forward to collaborating with other church communities or queer organizations to, you know, do pop-up events nationwide, you know, and yeah. God willing, I graduate in May. <laughs> <laughs> be more free to do those kinds of things um be but uh yeah i would definitely um yeah i would like to do that in more camps in the future um so just keep track and um yeah would love to collaborate with y'all and yeah and spread the the gay gospel of queer social <laughs> radicalist jesus you know <laughs> That's awesome. well thank you so much jess thank you kara it's been a pleasure Bye.